So who likes Christmas carols? Anyone? Okay, what's your favorite one? Tell me. That dance, there you go. Anyone else? The way in a manger, awesome. Welcome, Emmanuel, awesome, love it. Silent Night, yeah, yeah, perfect. No, Christmas carols I love as well. Uh, so we're doing this series called Christmas Playlist, where we're going to look at Christmas carols and then try to take some of the truths and theology that we find in these songs and speak about them over the next four weeks leading up to Christmas. Um, I'm glad no one mentioned I Saw Mummy Kissing Santa Claus or Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree because they didn't make the cut this time, okay? Just this time. No, I'm, I'm joking. But uh, Christmas playlist, and tonight, obviously, we're looking at Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And uh, this is probably, probably one of my favorite Christmas songs. It's loaded with theology, loaded with thoughts about who God is and what that means for us. So hopefully we can explore that a little bit in greater depth this evening. But let me give you a little background about this song. This classic hymn was written by Charles Wesley, who was one of 18 kids. And uh, you may know his, you may have heard of his brother, John Wesley, who um, some of you might have heard of him before in church history, who did a lot, uh, especially in the tradition of the Anglican church. And this hymn was written in 1739. Now, when I think about Christmas carols, I honestly think, well, probably 1920, 1930, 1739, right? Uh, kind of threw me off when I found out the date. And the original lyrics to this song were actually this. Hark how all the welkin ring, glory to the king of kings. That was the actual lyrics that um, Wesley penned when it came to this song. Now, the word welkin was an old English term that meant vault of heaven. And so listen how the vault of heaven rings, glory to the king of kings. Now, some of you are wondering, well, why don't we sing that? Some of you are think, saying, thank goodness we don't sing that, right? Uh, the lyrics were updated, and I think many of us say a big thank you for that, in 1753 by George Whitfield when he published this carol in his collection of hymns and changed the lyrics to hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, and so on, and many other lyrics throughout this song were, were changed. So that's a bit of the history. That's where this uh, song comes from. The word hark, anyone know what that word means? Listen. It means listen. Literally means listen. So the announcement that is being made in this song is to listen to the herald angels. And so th these are the angels that are spoken of in Luke chapter 2 in the Christmas story who are sent from heaven to declare the good news about who Jesus is. And so basically what this song is saying in that verse is listen to what the messenger angels are saying to us. And uh, the angels were sent to declare a message directly from God that would forever change everything for us. And not only did this change things in that time, but really I think it changes everything for us today in our times. But sometimes we get stuck in familiarity, don't we? Are you with me? Sometimes I think when we read through the Christmas story, when Christmas time comes up in our calendar, um, we have a tendency to think to ourselves, okay, this is a fun season, but I've been through this before. Anyone ever indirectly sort of um, kind of coast through it from time to time? And we're familiar with it, and we know the narrative, and uh, there's a temptation when you become so familiar with something just to kind of treat it as common. 
And so going through the Christmas story can sometimes indirectly feel like a routine or, or, or something that we do once a year. It has a tradition bent to it. And if we're not careful, I think we could find ourselves in that spot where we're like, yeah, I've heard that story before, you know, joy to the world, right? Amen, right? And we can kind of find ourselves just kind of in a cycle, which I think can cause us sometimes to lose the profound richness of this narrative and of this story and what this means for us, not only way back then, 2,000 years ago, but today, here and now. And it can become common, and this shouldn't surprise us because I think about the things in life that once caused you wonder. Think about things in your life that once caused you wonder, but eventually just became common. Think about visiting a new city, okay? And you're visiting a new city. There's a nice picture up on the screen for you to glare at, okay? And sometimes when you visit a new city, you're filled with wonder and there's awe. And you're, you're kind of blown away when you first get there. Whether that's London, maybe you're visiting Paris, maybe it's New York, maybe it's Regina, right? Um, wherever you're visiting. I, I don't know where, but you, you, you can kind of sometimes, I'm just sticking up for the Regina folks, okay? You can sometimes get there and there's this wonder and there's this awe. But with time, maybe you stay there um, a few days, maybe you stay there a few weeks, maybe you're there all the time, maybe you stay there to live, and you could almost get bored with it because things can become familiar. And what once blew your mind and caused you to be filled with wonder, all of a sudden can become common. I think that this, we understand how this happens in our regular life, don't we, right? Think about, you know, those plans you had for that career and you studied and you went for it only to finally get there and uh, you just lost the magic and the wonder of it all. And uh, you quit pursuing the dreams you had because things kind of became common. Unfortunately, this is common in relationships, right? It's common in friendships, it's common in romantic relationships. Perhaps it had that spark and then as things progressed, you lost that and things became familiar and it doesn't do any good for what you'd always hoped for in that relationship. And so when we allow the dreams and the wonder to become nothing but ordinary, we suffer, not because it has changed, but because we have changed, all right? I wanna make that clear. I wanna repeat, not because it has changed, but because you and I change, all right? The city here doesn't change, stays the way it is, but perhaps our reaction, perhaps our disposition, perhaps the way we encounter it and look towards it, it hasn't changed, but we certainly do. And so I say all that to say this to start, that I want us to approach the Christmas story afresh this year. I want to encourage you to find yourself in the scriptures with a new perspective, just to really learn and just be amazed at all that God has done for us. And uh, just begin to see it, perhaps the first time you ever read it, begin to see it that way again, and allow it to change your heart and your life. Um, and so our song today, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, is loaded with theology. And this is a song that speaks of the hope of Jesus Christ, who he is and what it means for us today. And the lyrics were actually taken from the narrative found in Luke chapter two. So let's go there. Luke chapter two, starting at verse eight to verse 20. Let's read it all. It says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. 
Now suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel. This is the part of the song where we're getting into here more. Praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And so this is a portion of scripture that we look at often at Christmas time. Many of us are familiar with this story, but what if you really dived into the truth and theology of this narrative? Well, this, the carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, does just that. And not only does it affect how we see God today, but I think it affects very much how we can also live today. And so in the hymn, Hark, um, the Herald Angels Sing, we see a lot of themes and deep theology, but today I want to show us three ways, I think, in which we can see God afresh through this song. Three different ways in which we could see Jesus because of the lyrics of this hymn and because of the words of scripture. So the first point we're going to make that we're going to look at here is we're going to see Jesus, our light. And the, the verse sings, Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his Wings. See, I didn't sing it for you, okay? And you should be glad for that today, okay? That's not something I'm very good at. But this baby that was born was far from ordinary, but was the light of the world. The light that would shine and break through the darkness. And many had missed it because they had their own ideas of what the Messiah would look like, of how the Messiah would enter the world. You see, many wanted a Messiah who would trample their enemies or who would overturn the empires of those days. They wanted Messiah to come in almost like guns blazing, taking care of business, right? And, and, the thought, and they thought the birth of the Messiah would be triumphant according to the standards of triumphant in the world at the time. And so to be born in such Humble circumstances in a manger was such a lowly place to many people. It was a lowly thought. And to announce this news, not to the kings and royalty, not to important people in our day and age. You know, in our day and age, if we were going to announce something like this, it would be all over social media, wouldn't it, right? It'd be like, hashtag Messiah is here, right? And it'd be all over every available voice. We'd have it on the news. The loudest voices possible would be speaking about this. We'd look for the influential to weigh in and share this news and get the word out there. But God, in his wisdom, and I said wisdom, takes a different route with how he's going to bring about this good news to the world. And he doesn't announce it to the prestige. He doesn't announce it to the people of influence in those days. But he starts by announcing it to lowly shepherds. Lowly shepherds. You see, a shepherd back in this day was not a job that anybody was running after. 
okay? Often you fell into it, but it was hard work, it was hard hours, it was uh, the kind of thing that nobody really wanted to do per se. You see, shepherds, we, we often think of them in our culture as like those nice guys who would probably, you know, shovel your driveway or something for you, right? If it snowed the night before, they're that, they're that kind of neighbor, but in these days, they were looked down upon by society, and they were marginalized, and God, in his wisdom, starts with them. You see, he starts with them. He brings the good news to them. You see, this good news is not just for some people. It's not just for certain people. But this good news was going to be available for all people. Amen? The light of the world is here. And God chooses the least likely people to reveal the most amazing truth to in the Christmas story. And for many, they missed it because this wasn't happening as they expected it to, okay? They thought this would come about differently. They thought that this would happen in a way that maybe they'd approved of or they wanted to happen. And how many of you ever lose things? Anyone? Okay? For some of us, it's our car keys. For some of us, it's our wallets. You know, for some of us, it's our cell phones. For some of us, it's always that paper that's due at 4 o'clock, right? We just somehow seem to always seem to misplace that. But looking for stuff can become complicated because I've been in that position where I've tried to look for something and I've had little luck finding it, right? And I searched and I searched and I couldn't find what I was looking for. And I've searched diligently only to come up short. And I've, sometimes I realize, and this is the worst part, sometimes when I go searching for things and I find them in a spot where I hadn't even considered, that's probably the worst feeling because I realized that I wasn't even looking in the right area to begin with. I wasn't hot, right? I was, or I was, I was very cold, like, you know, like hot, cold kids games, right? Um, I got young daughters, as you know, from tonight. So, But there's nothing more frustrating than looking for something and finding out how far away you are from what you're looking for. And the Christmas story, I think, talks about this very thing. We live in a dark world where peace is far from sight in many parts. You just need to turn on the news and you know what I'm talking about. All sorts of evil, corruption exists. Let's not even begin to talk about hate and injustices. And if you were to search for a light within this world that could transform it completely in these days where this story was set, you could never find it then. You could never find it. And I can say that with confidence because the light that gives hope and salvation, the light that redeems, the light that brings peace upon the world could not be found within it because it actually came from outside of it. And that's the miracle of Christmas. And that's the miracle of the Christmas story, that the true light that can give light to all people, that can actually solve the problems of the world, did not exist within the world then, but it came from outside of it. John says it like this in John 1. He says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own didn't receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And at Christmas, we celebrate the light. We celebrate Jesus. And Jesus, the light, wasn't content to leave us to ourselves, but he came down, taking on the likeness of man in the form of a baby, and he came to dwell among us, light and life to all he brings, the song sings. You see, in John 8, 
when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus, the light of the world, has come and brings light and life to all. Another part of the song that stands out to me is this, is this thought of Jesus, our Emmanuel. I'm not singing this again, okay? Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. And you might notice that I used an I and the song uses an E. Anyone ever noticed that before, right? Did that on purposely so you guys thought that I messed up, okay? But uh, truth be told is they're just interchangeable in the English language. Uh, both of them mean the same thing. And I'll talk about that in a second. In, in, our, in our memory verse that we're going through right now, you can find one in the pocket in the back of the chair just in front of you. We just read about this idea of Emmanuel, right? Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so, hail the incarnate deity. You see, it wasn't enough for God to simply see us from afar, but he wanted to be with us. He wanted to come and rescue us. Emmanuel, God with us. You see, it's a powerful truth that God wasn't content to just let us try to figure things out on our own, um, things that we could never fix or help. But the Christmas story reminds us that because Jesus came, the lyric says, he was pleased as man with man to dwell, that God is with us in Christ. And this was something to marvel at. This is something to rejoice at. In Philippians chapter 2 the Apostle Paul talks about Jesus and says, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. You see, Emmanuel, God with us, is a promise kept. It's a child. By definition, when you think about it, a baby is dependent on adults for everything, for food, for shelter, for protection, for love. A baby is unable to use logic and reason. It needs constant attention, but the baby Christ, this child, created the world, as John said. This child existed before anyone or anything. This child was God, and just think about that for a second. Imagine he's the creator of the world and suddenly he feels cold and hungry. Imagine becoming human was not a twist of fate or a punishment from a higher being. It was actually a choice. God chose to give up everything to become nothing. And he did it for you. And he did it for me. You see, many of us have an easy time conceiving of the idea that man tries to work their way to God. That makes sense to us, that we try to work our way to God. But the truth is, is that God has come down to us and desires to know each of us as is seen in the Christmas story. And that's an amazing thought when you think about it. I think sometimes we have a tendency to see life as what are the things that we can do for God. But maybe life is simply more about just simply being with God and being with him and embracing the presence of Jesus, our Emmanuel, that God is with us. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 17, we read a very innocent verse here that says, He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, 
and from the coastal region. And I actually love this verse because it's innocent, it's so simple, and yet in a subtle way, I think it says so much about how God came down to earth. In that first line, he went down with them and stood at a level place. You see, Jesus went down with them and stood at a level place. This speaks, I think, to how God has approached humanity coming in human form and not leading and teaching and giving orders from the greatest throne. He didn't start from the greatest throne. He didn't start from the empire. He wasn't in the most prestigious of conditions. He wasn't at the palace leading, but he came down and meets us on a level place. He meets us where we're at, on a level place. And the truth is that I think he still does this today. He meets us where we are at and doesn't demand that we are a certain way before he meets us. But as he meets us where, we at, where we're at and as we get to know him, he changes us and he makes us more like him. And the story of Christmas is that Jesus loved us so much that he came down to us in human form. And his desire is to make us more like him. And he understands what we go through. He understands the struggles we feel. He understands how we're tempted. He understands the different things that we feel. In Hebrews chapter 4, we read that we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our Weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I'll just get the next slide up there, Wyatt. We serve a Savior who gets us, He understands what we go through. Jesus can relate to what we experience here on earth because he himself lived it. He himself experienced it. He too knows the many emotions and struggles that we face here on earth. I think sometimes we have a tendency to bottle up when we feel afraid. We have a tendency to bottle up when we feel tempted. We have a tendency just to hide away when we feel certain emotions and yet Jesus can relate with all of it because he lived on earth as well. Timothy Keller, in his book, The Gift of Christmas, author and pastor in New York City, said this. He said, he said this. He said, if God has really been born in a manger, then we have something that no other religion even claims to have. It's a God who truly understands you. From the inside of your experience, there's no other religion that says God suffered, that God had to be courageous, that he knows what it's like to be abandoned by friends, to be crushed by injustice, to be tortured and die. Christmas shows he knows what you're going through. When you talk to him, he understands. And I love that thought. And I love the truth that, that God can empathize. God knows exactly what we face. And we celebrate at this time of year, Emmanuel, God with us. You know, think about the, the world we live in right now. We live in a world where we just love to communicate digitally, Right? And think about the people you can message with and text with and email and Facebook and whatever. And to an extent, you can kind of keep up with, on, with digital communication. And I, for one, am thankful for that, although I do recognize its flaws sometimes, that you can't read faces and you can't read body language and texts can be misunderstood and emails can cause problems. I'm sure none of you have ever dealt with that before, okay? But I've been there before. But digital communication is great, but what's so much better, I find, is presence. 
is presence. It's by far more effective and far greater. You see, I text with friends all the time, but you know what's so much better is actually meeting with them and sitting across the table and having a coffee and sharing a meal and spending time with them. You see, and, and being in each other's presence, Jesus is God's presence. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And because he came down to us, he doesn't just have to be known with head knowledge, but we can know him today in relationship. You see, Christmas isn't just a one-time event, but it is an everyday experience as we look at Jesus, our Emmanuel, God with us. And finally, the third thing I want us to see about Jesus from these lyrics is that Jesus is our Savior. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Another line says, mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. You see, anytime I used to hear this song, I used to think, wow, that's just it. That's the gospel message. It's all wrapped up in those two verses, right? And you hear it so clearly. But the grand theme and message of this Christmas carol, Hark, is to listen to the truth that in Jesus we can be reconciled to God. Salvation has come. This is not simply a baby, but this is the long-awaited Messiah, the one who would save its people. God and sinners reconciled. And sinners literally means everyone. It means you and it means me, okay? God didn't just come for certain people or for good people or for that nation or for people who voted like him and thought like him and had preferences like him. Not just for select people, but God came for all people. All people. The goal, the chief end of the incarnation and coming of Jesus is that God and sinners be reconciled. Amen? In John 3.16, it says it like this. For God so loved the world. I know this is common. Capture the wonder of it. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Didn't send his son just to, just to tell us how bad we were. Didn't send his son just to condemn, but to save us. And because of Christmas, we're invited into the presence. We're invited into relationship with the God who loves us so much that he came down in the form of a human, a baby in a manger, and gave his life for us. But even greater, he rose again so that we too may live in relationship with him and we may experience ever lasting life and so the christmas story gives us the truth that the light is here and his presence among us and made his presence among us and desires to walk with each one of us in relationship but here's the catch is that it also requires something of us it also makes demands upon us in order to accept the free gift and i said free gift of jesus we need to recognize ourselves how much we really need it. Let me illustrate this, okay? At Christmas time, we give and receive gifts. Anyone? Who loves giving gifts? You, you got those people? Who loves receiving, right? Some of us are like two hands, right? Um, no, they're both awesome. They're both great to do. But for some, this is something they look forward to. And for some of you, this is causing you great stress as I talk about it right now, okay? Because you're like me and you looked online and you saw delivery dates are getting close to Christmas at this point, right? But Christmas at its core is truly a gift that each one of us can receive. 
And let me paint a scenario where perhaps accepting and receiving a gift can be difficult. Let me paint this scenario, okay? So you're under the tree and you're with a friend and they're giving you a Christmas gift that they think can really help you, okay? And they think it could change your life and they think it could be a really good thing for you. And you unwrap it and you see this book, this big book that says Overcoming Selfishness. See it up there? Okay? Overcoming Selfishness. Or what if it said something even greater? What if the book was called A Guide to How to Treat Your Friends Better, right? Like, wouldn't that be the awkwardest moment to receive a gift like that, in a sense? Because in order to thank somebody for that gift would be to admit that perhaps you had issues with only looking to and thinking about yourself, even at the expense of other people. You'd have to admit that. It'd be a tough pill to swallow in a way to get these two specific books from someone, right? Especially if they were close to you because you'd be faced with the reality that perhaps you missed the mark. You'd be faced with the reality that perhaps you have to change some things in your life. And accepting these, these kind of books would be, you know, with Thanksgiving would be humbling. In a similar way, the gift of Christ can only be accepted by the meek and the humble. The gift of Christ can only be accepted by those who are willing to admit their failures, who are willing to admit that they missed the mark, their shortcomings, their inability to fix themselves and to fix the problems of the world. Those who are willing to admit their need and willing to say, you know, I don't have it all together. Anyone relate? I don't have it all together. And you see, the Pharisees and the religious teachers of Jesus' day couldn't accept their shortcomings and the ways in which they missed the heart of God, as pointed out to them time and time and time again by Jesus. And they couldn't accept it. And so they were blind to the truth of their own condition, and it actually, that's what actually kind of prevented them from having a relationship with Jesus, is that they couldn't see that they'd missed the mark. They couldn't see their own shortcomings. They couldn't see their own failures. And so it prevented them from having a relationship with Jesus because God and sinners reconciled. It really starts with admitting that we have fallen short of God's standard, that we need help, that we need him. And it can be a difficult gift to receive sometimes. It's not always easy to admit that you need help. Not always easy to admit that you've fallen short. Not always easy to admit that perhaps in some way you've failed. And it can be a difficult gift for some to receive, but it's a free gift nonetheless. The light that came into the world from outside of it is the answer to the mess that we presently experience. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says it like this. He says, only the humble believe him and rejoice that God is so free and so marvelous that he does wonders where people despair, that he takes what is little and lowly and makes it marvelous. And that is the wonder of all wonders, that God loves the lowly. God is not ashamed of the lowliness of human beings. God marches right in. He chooses people as his instruments and performs his wonders where one would least expect them. God is near to lowliness. He loves the lost, the neglected, the, unseemly, the unseemly, the excluded, the weak, and the broken. 
This is the God whom the angels sang about, who came down to help us, to save us, to be with us, to give us light in a very dark place. You see, the child born in Luke 2 was a king. It was a king in a dirty stable, wrapped with rags, but a king with a plan as well. And this child would bring hope, not just a wish, but the confidence that God would defeat sin, that good would win over evil. This child would bring peace, that even in the midst of great suffering and the tough things that we experience, a peace that assures his followers that he, he is in control even when it feels like nobody is. This child would bring love, a love that would never be taken away, a love that's beyond our understanding. This child would bring joy, for he would deliver us. A great father of the church, Athanasius, in his sermon on the Incarnation says this. He says, Christ became what we are, that he might make us what he is. And I like that quote. I like, I like the truth of that. And this is why it is important, I think, for us sometimes to hark, just to pause and to listen to what the angels declared that evening to the lowly shepherds. Today we celebrate the light and glory of Christ who came into the darkness of the world and made his home among us so that God and sinners can be reconciled and that we may live eternally with him. You see, just as God revealed this good news to shepherds, to the lowly of that day, perhaps he's revealing it even more to us again today. And for some of us, maybe that's for the first time. For some of us, maybe it's the first time you've heard this message and perhaps we need to respond to it. And for others of us, perhaps we need to take this message and not become familiar with it, not allow it to become common, but to find wonder and to find amazement and to find joy, really, in the glory of what Jesus has done for us. Amen? Why don't you stand with me tonight? I'm going to pray for us in just a moment, but I can't talk about this without at least asking a question. And so I'm just going to ask a quick and uh, throw it out there. But if there's anyone in here tonight who perhaps, you know, you find yourself in that spot where maybe for the first time you recognize that God's gone out of his way to come to you, to reach out to you. You recognize that your sins need to be forgiven. You recognize that you've fallen short of God's standard and you want to walk with him and live with him, if that's you, I just encourage you just to raise your hand, if that's you, and you'd like to respond to that tonight. Just raise your hand. I'd like to pray with you this evening. I'm not going to force it. I'm not going to spend too much time on this part, but if that's you, um, I'd like to pray with you this evening. Let's pray together. Father, I just thank you tonight, Lord, for each person in this room. I thank you, Lord, for the Christmas story. I thank you, Lord, that you did bring hope, that you've brought in love into our life, that you've given us peace, God, when we can't see it, Lord, and that we have tremendous joy because of you. Thank you, Lord, that you are the light that shines even in the darkest of places. Thank you that you are Emmanuel, God with us. Lord, help us never to lose the wonder and amazement of what that truly means for us today. Thank you that you are our Savior. And that because of what you did, that us and you are reconciled again. And so I pray, Lord, that as we just continue into the Christmas season, as we look towards you, Lord, that you would renew our hope, Lord, that you would renew our zeal, Lord, and God, more than anything, that we would be thankful and full of gratitude at all that you've done for us. We praise you and thank you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.